Hello and welcome to this morning's service here at Essex Church, where our community of Kensington Unitarians is based. Ours is a community created by all those who walk through our doors. And here in busy central London, we extend a special welcome to visitors and newcomers. After worship, we invite you, if you wish, to stay for a cup of tea or coffee. And towards the end of today's service, there'll be a space for anyone who's new here or a visitor today to introduce themselves if they would like to. Today's service recognises All Souls Day, which occurs next Friday as part of the Catholic tradition. More and more liberal congregations such as ours also now hold a simple service of remembering at this time of year and a ritual in which we honour those we love who have died. Loss is so very much part of life. And so here we can also recognise and honour the inevitable losses that make up every human existence. And an all-souls service such as this can also be viewed as a celebration of life and love. So whatever your particular circumstances in life, my hope is that you will find something today that speaks to you in some way. Hello, Aram. (laughs) But the opportunity to be still, to reflect, to be open to our God or to the promptings of our own hearts may be of value to you, whoever you are, and whatever you're dealing with in your life right now. So I'm lighting our chalice, this symbol of our worldwide Unitarian and Unitarian Universalist community. In so doing, let us recognize all our religious ancestors, those who were here before us, some of them who dared to worship according to their own hearts and minds, even when it was illegal to do so. As we consider this one small flame, Let's think of people all around the world to this day who are not yet free to follow and to express their own beliefs. May this small candle flame hold a hope for our world that all people might one day be free. I would just ask you to think for a moment about this issue of loss. For although it encompasses those we have loved who have died in life, it is a so much wider issue. How many of us have an experience of some kind of absence in our life? Perhaps some hope or dream that has failed to come to fruition. We, we cannot be always the people we would wish to be. And there are many losses that we have to deal with in a life. We're going to hear Tristan read now uh, John O'Donoghue's piece, A Blessing on Absence, which really reflects this, I think, very well. May you know that absence is alive with hidden presence, that nothing is ever lost or forgotten. May the absences in your life grow full of eternal echo. May you sense around you the secret elsewhere, where the presences that have left you dwell. May you be generous in your embrace of loss. May the sore well of grief 
turn into a seamless flow of presence. May your compassion reach out to the ones we never hear from. May you have the courage to speak for the excluded ones. May you become the gracious and passionate subject of your own life. May you not disrespect your mystery through brittle words or false belonging. May you be embraced by God in whom dawn and twilight are one. May our longing inhabit its dreams within the great belonging. The Jewish community has a particularly wonderful toast, uh, which is pronounced L'chaim. And um, in this reading by Rachel Naomi Remen, Rachel is um, someone who works with the terminally ill and I think has written particularly well about um, some of the messages of the Jewish community for us all. Many years ago, she, she writes, my grandfather gave me a silver wine goblet, so small that it only holds a thimbleful of wine. Exquisitely engraved into its bowl is a bow with long ribbon streamers. It was made in Russia a long time ago. And he gave it to me on one of the many afternoons we spent together at the kitchen table discussing the nature of life. I was quite young then, no more than five or six. And when I became restless, he would revive my attention by bringing out the sacramental Concord grape wine he kept in the back of the refrigerator. And he'd fill my little uh, wine glass, uh, put a splash of wine into his own, a big ceremonial silver cup, generations old, and then we would offer a toast together. And at the time, the only other celebration I knew was singing happy birthday and blowing out the candles. Mm, I love this one much more. Because my grandfather taught me the toast we used, the single Hebrew word, l'chaim, which means to life. L'chaim. He used to say it with great enthusiasm. Is it to a happy life, Grandpa? I asked him once, and he shook his head and said, no, no, it's just to life. And at first, this didn't make a lot of sense to me. I struggled to understand. Is it like a prayer? I asked. No, no, little one, we pray for the things we don't have. We already have life. Then why do we say this before we drink the wine? Grandpa, I said suddenly, suspiciously, you didn't make this up, did you? And he chuckled and assured me that no, for thousands of years, all over the world, people had said this same word to each other before drinking wine together. It's a Jewish tradition. I puzzled about it for some time. Is it written in the Bible, Grandpa? No, no, it's written in people's hearts. And seeing the confusion on my face, he told me that Lahaim meant that no matter what difficulty life brings, no matter how hard or painful or unfair life is, life is holy and worthy of celebration. Even the wine is sweet, he said, to remind us that life itself is a blessing. It's been almost 55 years since I heard my grandfather's voice, but I remember the joy with which he toasted life and the twinkle in his eye as he said, L'chaim. 
It's always seemed remarkable to me that such a toast could be offered for generations by a people for whom life has not been easy. But perhaps it can only be said by such people, and only those who have lost and suffered can truly understand its power. For Lachaim is a way of living life. And as I've grown older, it seems less and less about celebrating life and more about the wisdom of choosing life. In the many years that I've been counselling people who are terminally ill, I've seen people choose life again and again, despite loss and pain and difficulty. The same immutable joy I saw in my grandfather's eyes is there, I think, in us all. Words by Rachel Remen. Just a, a, a few thoughts on All Souls Day to lead us into our candle lighting ritual. As you know, probably October the 31st, this coming Wednesday, is, is commonly now known as Halloween, the word derived from All Hallows' Eve. To the ancient Celts and to the Wiccan community today, it's the Festival of Samhain, which would mark the end of the Celtic Wheel of the Year. And at such time, candles would be lit to guide departed souls. A place would be laid at the table for the hungry spirits. Graves would be tended and the dead remembered. Celebrations of life would abound. And of course, as we know, Christianity adapted many of these early pagan rituals into its own festivals. All Saints Day, All Souls Day, the Day of the Dead in Latin cultures. And the very existence of so many traditions tells us this is important to humanity. It's important that we honour our dead. Last week I spoke about Unitarians in Transylvania. And throughout that whole Central European region, there is a tradition in which families, on All Souls Day, walk to the village graveyard, tidy their family graves, strew flesh, fresh flowers around, light candles, and if it's warm enough, they'll have a picnic together. Now, I think it's likely, if that is happening in Latin America and happening in Central Europe, that these festivals have their origins in far more ancient religious practices to do with honouring our ancestors, partly probably through a belief that the ancestors can intercede in the spirit world on behalf of the living. I don't know about you, but there are times certainly when I have called on people I love who have died. I've sought their guidance, and at times that guidance has come. Set me like a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is as strong as death. The poet writes in the Song of Solomon. An American poet, Mary Oliver, writes some particularly fine poems about this process of grieving. She wrote some straight after the death of her lifelong partner, Molly. And here's just an extract from one called Heavy, which if any of you no bereavement will know that that very bodily aching sense of loss so much a part of grief in this poem she goes on to explore the way she discovered to go on living that time I thought I could not go any closer to grief without dying 
I went closer and I did not die. Surely God had his hand in this as well as friends. Still I was bent and my laughter, as the poet said, was nowhere to be found. Then said my friend Daniel, brave even among lions, it's not the weight you carry, but how you carry it. Books, bricks, grief. It's all in the way you embrace it, balance it, carry it, when you cannot and would not put it down. So I went practicing. Have you noticed? Have you heard the laughter that comes now and again out of my startled mouth? How I linger to admire, admire the things of this world that are kind and maybe also troubled. Roses in the wind, the sea geese on the steep waves, a love to which there is no reply. Mary Oliver's poem ends with a question mark. She is not avoiding the utter gut-wrenching physical loss that we know when someone we love dies. As Unitarians, we have no one message about the possibility of an afterlife, no comforting shared and certain vision of loved ones reunited after death. And as I look around our congregation, I think of the many deep and varied conversations I've had with people about their ideas of death. This is an issue we have to grapple with and find answers that work for us. And for some of us, it is enough to say that we just don't know, that both life and death contain mysteries way beyond our ability to comprehend. And so I invite you now, publicly, if you wish, to remember those people who have given us inspiration, strength, comfort and love. Let us give thanks for those whose presence is with us, honour their memory in this ceremony of remembrance. I invite you to come up and to light a candle, or several if you wish, to remember beloved friends and family who have died, or perhaps those people who have touched our lives through their work, teachers, inspirational figures from across the generations. And I ask you simply to come up and to speak the name of the person you are remembering, nothing more. Or light a candle in silence if you wish. And perhaps leave just a little pause between each of the names to fully honour their memory. Poet Mary Oliver writes that to live in this world you must be able to do three things. To love what is mortal. To hold it against your bones, knowing that your own life depends on it. And when the time comes to let it go, to let it go. Amen. Go well. Blessed be.